shot. Who Kicked the Corner Flag, really game show podcast, coming to you this week from Boyce's apartment in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm your host, James Rose, and today I'm actually with the chairman of the Spurs Casey fan group, the man who can shuffle a deck of cards with one hand, and who secretly provided the voice of Siri. It's Jared Bustamente. How are you, bud? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm great. This is great. It's actually flowing. No uh, stops and Skyping all that. And uh, to our visual right, he's the chairman of the Arsenal Casey fan group. The man whose humble abode has the warmth of an Arsene Wenger embrace, and whose favourite beer can be found listed on his Instagram. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you? Welcome to my humble abode. This is gentlemen. great. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, very exciting. Right, uh, let's kick off uh, by revealing the answer to this week's social media trivia question. Uh, the question this week was, which current Premier League team spent 140 days at the bottom of the table, but was not subsequently relegated? Any guesses, fellas? I think the only thing that came to mind for me in this was Newcastle United, perhaps. But Ooh, it's not Newcastle. He said it's a current current squad. Premier League team. Oh, ba, 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 ba. Palace. Not Palace either. The answer is Leicester City. <laughs> Leicester City in the 2014-15 season. Uh, they ended up 14th, and then obviously, as history knows, they went to win the title in the subsequent season. Scary, <sighs> but true. <laughs> Uh, right, let's start off with, as usual with the top four, the game where our contestants try to figure out which stories and games were the most discussed. Jared gets the ball rolling this week, so Jared, what do you think made the list? Oh, let's see. Um, Pre-conversation uh, with boys, but now it's going to be selfish here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Liverpool finally breaking and doing something no other squad has been able to do and beating Manchester City. You would be absolutely correct, sir. That got the top spot uh, this week. That gets you the four points. Uh, the final score being 4-3, and what a game. I mean, that was just something to behold. Uh, people thinking Man City might come back into it. But here's a fun stat. Jurgen Klopp has beaten Pep on five different occasions in all competitions, which is more than any other manager. Who knew? Um, so, Jared, question for you. How did he break down, or how do we break down Liverpool's toughness from this game? How did he find that winning formula to beat Man City? What, what do you think he had set up? Was it the players' mentality? What do you, what do you think happened? Well, I think I need to eat a little crow here. Uh, and <laughs> I was very, very skeptical uh, with uh, the omission of Coutinho and the inclusion of Van Dijk and worried about the squad going forward, knowing that they needed to shore up uh, defense. Uh, uh, but would that have been uh, uh, sacrificing goals? Uh, clearly, I was wrong. Mm. I think shoring up that defense, you look, Liverpool held that game. Uh, mm-hmm. and But for a stoppage minute goal uh, by Erdogan, uh, uh, Gundogan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's, it's 4-2. Uh, and I think it was a very, very convincing victory. I think they mm-hmm. were organized. Uh, they got off to a great start. Uh, and I'm sure Boyce will have some comments on uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's remarkable contribution to this match. <laughs> and, but for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, what? where is Liverpool? Yeah. Uh, things that not even Reds fans ever thought of. Yeah. But I think, you know, you had uh, Nicholas Otamendi and Raheem Sterling in discipline uh, 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 issues after the last with the last 20, 25 minutes of that match. Uh, and I... I 
hats off to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. uh, they scored early. They scored often. And uh, I really think being squared away on that back line uh, uh, was the most useful. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, boys, Man City obviously handed their first Premier League loss of the season. They've won 20 and drawn two and now lost one. So I guess the question to you is, how did City lose the game? Do you think there was a lack of concentration, losing that kind of mentality that they've had in previous games? Was it just bad luck? Uh, what do you think? I think Manchester City have had the same defensive liabilities that they've had all year. I mean, you're looking at a back line that includes Nicholas Otamende and Stones. Mm. And while the offensive portion of Manchester City's lineup is absolutely incredible, the defensive portion still lacks any sort of strength or tenacity, and I think it also lacks depth. And in this particular instance, Liverpool's done what they did all year long, which is get off on a massive offensive attack and not let, not let up. I mean, the absence of Van Dyke today, I, I enjoyed Jurgen Klopp basically saying, if it was a more important game, Virgil Van Dyke might have started. I, I hesitate to imagine a more important game for Liverpool this season than Manchester City at Anfield, but I think that Jurgen Klopp's strategy of all-out offense beat Pep Guardiola's strategy of all-out offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hats off to Jurgen Klopp at the end. I don't know if you gentlemen saw, but my favorite moment of the entire weekend was Jurgen Klopp dropping an F-bomb <laughs> in the middle of NBC Sports live yeah. telecast, leaving yeah. uh, Graham Lasso and all of the commentators in visible agony on the <laughs> sidelines. And it was incredible. And then my favorite part was after being quickly chastised, by the individuals at NBC Sports, Jurgen Klopp's turnaround comment was, this is American TV, I thought that I could do that. Yes. <laughs> Which is absolutely excellent. Yeah. So, I think it's one of those situations, I don't think that there are many teams, if any other teams in the Premier League, that have the offensive threat that Liverpool does. Mm -hmm. So whether or not Manchester City is going to go on a long-form loss, I, I think that's highly unlikely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're never going to encounter somebody with the offensive skills of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, which, to the extent... <laughs> That's the actual reality. If Arsene Wenger was intelligent enough for at least one point this season to get 30 million pounds and preserve the Invincibles record by giving away secret agent Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain yeah. and ensuring that the Invincibles, Arsenal's really only great relevant <laughs> legacy of the last decade, continues on, I am oh, all man. for it. Let's swiftly transition on then to the next guest. Boyce, you're up. We've got second, third, and fourth spot still to guess. What do you think? I'm going to say that Arsenal's absolute meltdown at Bournemouth is on there somewhere, <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to talking about uh, it. It was second on the list. Um, yes, so congratulations on that. That gets you the three points. Yes, the shock loss to Bournemouth. Final score was 2-1. Arsenal now without a win. Just rub it in here, uh, in his face, visually. Uh, in, without a win in five in all competitions as Arsene Wenger serves his final touchline ban in the Vitality Stadium stands. Boyce, has, finally, has Wenger finally lost the plot? Is it? Are we at this point now where this is it, this is done, or are we back on that Wenger-Merriger round, back in, back out, that we always hear about? What do you think? I think Arsene Wenger lost the plot long before this year. I think this summer was evidence of it. He's had multiple opportunities to walk away after the 2014, 15, and 17 FA Cups, but through stubbornness, and intransigence and also just bored ineptitude, he's managed to stick around. I think the team that Arsenal fielded yesterday against Bournemouth was a high mid-table team that demonstrated defensive liabilities up and down the pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Granit Xhaka standing there watching his mark go past. You have Peter Cech, who long since passed his prime, 
tries to come out to claim the first goal and just miserable failure. Mm -hmm. And you compound that with decisions that Vinegar's made, like letting go of Wojciech Szczesny, who I believe, upon my last review, had more clean sheets than Petr Cech this season and conceded less than 10 goals. It's a situation where his transfer acumen has been shown to be an absolute waste. He hasn't made the moves that were necessary. We're staring down the barrel of Alexis Sanchez going to City, United, or Chelsea at this point. Mm-hmm. This is something that should have been resolved at the beginning of the season. All of these moves could have been made. The Lamar move could have been made, except for Wenger and the board sort of vacillating back and forth about whether or not they were going to do it. There haven't been a host of stories about Alexis Sanchez being a liability in the locker room other than his known disputes with Laurent Koscielny, but it can't be good. Everybody knows that he wanted to leave in August. He stuck around. He turns the ball over more than any other forward in the Premier League on a team that has no defensive backline whatsoever. And it was time for him to go, I think, in August. And now you see all of these ridiculous rumors of Arsenal going after Obama Yang or other players that they potentially desperately need. But there's, A, no guarantee that that's going to happen, and B, a much more greater likelihood that they're just going to go after Malcolm, and that somehow is going to be the resolution to the loss of Alexis Sanchez. I think you might see more defensive strength in Arsenal without Alexis, but the problem is, I think as they demonstrated on Sunday, that that addition in defense is just lost by the absolute lack of prowess on the offensive end. I mean, Danny Welbeck could just stumble around the pitch all day long. Alex Awobi (laughs) can't pick a pass in the final third to save his life. I I think you add Mesut Ozil to that mess on Sunday, potentially they're able to break down the Bournemouth defense and score a few more goals, but it was just the same... The same record played over and over again. And the thing is, anymore, it's hard to even like even describe it as an upset. It's one of those situations where Arsenal haven't been able to win on the road. John Cross of the Mirror made some stupid statement that this is the worst Arsenal team in 20 years. It's not the worst Arsenal lineup in 20 years. <laughs> say, it's certainly the worst performing Arsenal right. club in 20 years. But to look at this lineup at the beginning of the season and not think that it at least had the potential capacity to be able to compete... I think, is a revisionist version of history. I think that the flaw here is what you mentioned at the beginning. It's Arsene Wenger doing the same thing mm-hmm. that he does all the time, picking the wrong starting 11, the wrong setup, the wrong formation. He's not going anywhere because he sees out his contract. Yeah. So we'll have the same discussion until 2019. 2019, maybe 10 years more. Uh, Jared, um, just quickly to highlight uh, Bournemouth's performance. Um, this is the first time they've beaten Arsenal in a, in a history. Um Anything to take from Bournemouth's performance? Um, are we seeing them stick around for a little bit in the Premier League? Maybe climb a little bit higher up the table? What do you think? I uh, Hats off to Eddie Howe uh, and what he's been able to do at Bournemouth and just steer them in all of the right directions. You look at uh, particularly this Bournemouth defense uh, with Ake, uh, Cook, and Francis, and then the three midfielders in front of them in particular, Gosling, Charlie Daniels, and Adam Smith. They held the doors shut um, and uh, against a an Arsenal team, which, frankly, has actually listened to Boyce uh, in some of those previous selections. I mean, you had a, you had a, a squad up there with Alexander Lacazette. You had Ainsley Maitland-Niles. You had Hector Berlin on, on the side. There's some poetry of Jack Wilshere going to Bournemouth and losing, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, storylines of the weekend. Uh, but really... Uh, Bournemouth, they, when presented with opportunities, uh, they took advantage. 
uh, uh, kind of what Boyce was saying. You know, there were some uh, there were some miscues, but uh, it was the Bournemouth midfield that was Johnny on the spot. Mm. Uh, um, and uh, hats off to Callum Wilson because uh, I, I believe he had the goal uh, and an assist, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all four minutes apart. Yeah. And then they just bunkered down. And I admit there were some very nervy moments at the end of that match because mm-hmm. I routinely said, "Watch, it's going to take some." fabulous individual effort and Arsenal will get away with the point or maybe even pull it out. Um, But I think that kind of informs even the mentality that non-Arsenal supporters have is you think, well, shoot, they'll get it done. Yeah. Uh, And that is uh, uh, something that we're all frankly used to. Mm -hmm. And again, even as a non-Arsenal supporter. So um, I think, uh, uh, again, take nothing away from Cherries. One of the biggest wins uh, for them mm-hmm. in securing those points at home against a huge club, uh, they're they're going to stick around now. Whether or not they'll come, uh, you know, and and start finishing top half or maybe even challenge top four, uh, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. that'll happen in a stadium larger than Vitality that seats I think twelve thousand people. <laughs> I uh, don't know how many seats. <laughs> might, might be the size of the room we're sitting in right now. Um, An awesome thing is in the corner. Yeah. I, exactly. Uh, Keep so, in there. Keep him in the stands. <laughs> I'd rather see him watch and coach. Well, not coach, just watch matches from there. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll but see. but hats off to Bournemouth, and uh, I I hope that when whatever club comes up and backs a truckload of money uh, and dumps it into Eddie Howe's driveway, uh, that Bournemouth continue to perform. Uh, uh, and and do well. They are a great, great score. Mm, yeah, we'll see. And I wonder if any of their Bournemouth players got a brand new dog named Gunner. We shall see. Uh, right, moving swiftly. Uh, we have two to guess. So Jared, you're up next. Third and fourth spots. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, this is kind of a combination of games, but uh, Chelsea's back-to-back draws. Um, uh, in dropping points in consecutive games. You would be correct, sir. Yes, although that made fourth spot this week, so you only get the single point. Uh, the title for this one being Chelsea have gone stale. Another 0-0 draw. Uh, that makes their third in a row in all competitions. Um, what's what's going on at Chelsea? I mean, we they've kind of been somewhat flying under the radar a little bit, um, but now it's kind of becoming obvious that they're not, you know, not winning games. Um so what's their deal? Why isn't Morata scoring goals? Is it a Conte management thing? What do we think? It's really interesting. Uh, in watching uh, uh, Morata against Leicester, I think uh, Leicester did their homework. Um, there, there was a question of whether or not the Premiership has kind of figured out uh, Alvaro Morata uh, and using the physicality of the Premiership uh, uh, to their advantage. Uh, Morata, for, uh, for a big center forward, uh, is not holding the ball up well enough to have the likes of uh, Eden Hazard uh, or uh, Basuashi run off of those balls. Um, there were comments of, you know, uh, you're looking at the big center forwards of the Chelsea day. You're talking about Didier Drogba. You're talking mm-hmm. about Diego Costa. I mean, these were guys that could hold the ball up, and you had to, you had to do some work to push them off the ball and, and to take them down. And if you did, uh, they drew the foul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember Spurs being on the receiving end of some of those <laughs> theatrics. But uh, you saw uh, an Alvaro Morata who was just, he, he couldn't get a clean touch on the ball, and when he did, uh, I, I think it was Huth in the back, uh, let him know uh, that he was there every mm-hmm. every touch. In preventing that, Eden Hazard, even 
as a magician that he is, can't do it himself all the time. And you saw a visibly frustrated attacking center mm-hmm. midfielder uh, for Chelsea. Uh, uh, and it, uh, you know, they need to figure out how to break those hunkered down defenses mm-hmm. from wide areas. Yeah. Um, boys, do you think, let's kind of turning the script to uh, Antonio Conte a little bit more. Um, there was a suggestion perhaps that he might not have a long term plan at Chelsea, maybe seeing out this year, maybe a year after that. Um, do you think he's going to stick around at Chelsea? Do you think it's he is the root of the problem, or do you think there's maybe something else at play? I mean, what, what is your analysis of the situation? Uh, well, to answer your question, I actually don't see him sticking around Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I think the comments that he's made throughout this week have demonstrated that he doesn't necessarily have any true devotion to the club. I actually am a fan of Conte as well. I think mm-hmm. he's done a pretty good job with them this season. Right. He's just been failed by players like Murata. I mean, it's a situation where Diego Costa may he rot. It's wherever he is. <laughs> it's, uh, it. it's, it's a situation where Murata just doesn't have it. He has sort of the same petulant attitude that Costa had, mm-hmm. but without any results to actually back it up. And when people push him around, he just... You look in the matches even against Arsenal. The last two matches that Chelsea have played against Arsenal, Murata has looked absolutely despondent against one of the just shambolic defenses of the Premiership. Mm-hmm. And if he can't score against Arsenal, I don't know how he's going to score against a more resolute defense. Although I do think it was very interesting to see today that Chelsea have entered into the Alexis Sanchez sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. I actually think that Alexis Sanchez fits Conte's method and mode of play far better than Mourinho. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play defense. Uh, he turns the ball over in offensive possessions, but Chelsea have a resolute back line, I think, that can actually sponge that up and make sure that his mistakes don't turn into goals. Mm-hmm. I think Mourinho is going to look at somebody like Alexis Sanchez who's not going to defend and is just going to turn the ball over as more of a liability. So I don't think that that fits at all. But I do think Alexis Sanchez combined with Hazard and Murata might might be able to put balls in the back of the net. And I, I think the other thing is that Alexis Sanchez is capable of playing the number nine. So it's a situation where if Murata continues to underperform, there's a very good case that could be made that Alexis could plug in and play that center forward position over and above. Right, let's move on then. To the last one, Boyce, you're up. Um, we got third spot left to guess. So, what do you think? I have, as per usual, two to go into this. Are we including today's match as well within our weekend match? We are not. No, it's uh, going to be something from the weekend, but not including today. Then, we can't make fun of Stoke. We've got to give him a break this week. <laughs> Paul Lambert. All right. Well, then I'm going to go with uh, Tottenham's 4 0 mercy killing of Everton. You would be absolutely correct. Yes, that got you the two points on that one. Spurs thump Everton 4 0 thanks to King Harry and Mr. Sun and Mr. Erickson. Um, it's going to be a tough question to ask you, boys, but we're going to pitch it. Do you think Spurs can lock in top four this season at the expense of Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to include that last part. First, first for clarification, <laughs> I do not think Spurs' top four ambitions are somehow at the expense of Arsenal. Although I do think. The consideration for that question has to be that it is still a miracle this year that Spurs are still within five points of Arsenal and actually lost 2-0 to them earlier this season. It's unreal. When the talent deficit and the performance deficit and the coaching deficit are as cavernous as they have always been, Spurs are still only within five points of Arsenal, and I have every faith that Tottenham will finish above Arsenal this campaign, but it still remains to be seen. The question is who is going to drop out Mm -hmm. of the top four. Chelsea have been hemorrhaging points lately through draws. I think that Conte will probably strengthen the team during the window. I really do think that that's going to be the battle that's played out. I think once Van Dijk comes into the lineup, that Liverpool is a clear candidate to finish ahead of Tottenham for the rest of the campaign. Mm. City's obviously already off the table. 
United have a three-point lead. Um, with Jose Mourinho, anything's possible in terms of them dropping out. But I really do see the one-to-one comparison being between Chelsea and Spurs. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, as of right now, I think Spurs are a team that are an injury or two away from finishing outside of the top four, and Chelsea are not, especially if they strengthen a little bit. I mm-hmm. think if Spurs were to lose either Son or Kane, you're talking about a team that might not be able to put in the goals. And we also have to consider the fact that this resurrection of Tottenham's form has come during a time when they haven't had the Champions League, where they're no longer playing in the League Cup, where they have had a bit more time, even during the festive season. They're entering into a position where they're about ready to have to defend on an FA Cup front, uh, Champions League front, and the League front at the same time. And Jared and I have discussed this before. I think that Tottenham's weakness is just in a lack of depth. And you would think if you're Levy and you're out there and you have an opportunity to be able to bring in a player or two to secure top four, that you might. But there haven't really been any significant rumblings in Tottenham circles about sort of strengthening this team. So I guess my answer to your question would be, I think in the event that Tottenham don't strengthen and they don't bring in a little bit more depth over the coming weeks, that I, I find it difficult to believe that they could finish ahead of United, Liverpool, or Chelsea and claim that top four spot. Um, Jared, Levy said last week during a stadium launch uh, press conference that he doesn't plan on letting any of his players leave in the summer. Um, how is he going to manage to keep these key players like Son, Eriksson, Dele Alli, obviously Harry Kane? Well, let me ask you it a different way. Do you think he's gonna? Do you think they're going to stay? Do you think they're going to be committed to this club for another two or three years? Or do you see... Maybe a couple of players, like maybe Deli Alley leaving, Sun being tempted to go somewhere else. What do you think? Well, I think you can definitely afford to hang on to a couple. There have been talks of you know contract negotiations with Toby Alderweireld, uh, uh, Harry Kane uh, just had his uh, uh, wages doubled, I believe, uh, mm. in in the past month, and I think he is worth every every penny. Yeah. Uh, Levy's aware that he's not the only manager or, or uh, uh, you know head of a club who thinks that. I think it's going to be tough when you get down to the likes of Deli Alley and with the insane numbers in the transfer market nowadays, uh, even with uh, uh, you know the, the new stadium, the new stadium money and that kind of thing, uh, I think it's just going to come down to economics. Yeah. And I would be very, very uh, you know uh, uh, surprised if Levy doesn't at least listen. I yeah. mean, we're talking about... Uh, turning water into wine with the Gareth Bale money uh, and and creating this resurgence of Spurs. I agree with Boyce that you know depth is depth is the issue, and we are we are there because it isn't that Spurs are an injury or two away; is that they've had those injuries. Uh, they've had you know this is a team without Victor Wanyama, uh, uh, without Toby Alderweireld, and then when you saw the suspension of Davison Sanchez, I think really exposed this team and putting Eric Dyer in the middle of a back four, that just was not working. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, you have Wanyama back, you have Eric Lamella back. Uh, there are a lot of players coming into the squad, and I think as soon as you have Toby Alderweireld coming in in the middle of this you know, three, three-way run we have, uh, hopefully they can, uh, uh, they can do the job and get the points and find results uh, in just some competition, please. Mm. Just some <laughs> hardware, something that has their name on it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as people staying over the summer, uh, the only thing I can say for sure is I think uh, Harry Kane is here come August. Outside of that, I have no idea. Right, so we're going to move on swiftly. We're going to play another brand new game. Uh, very exciting. Calm it down. Uh, this one I like to call. <laughs> uh, this one I like to call Rumor Mill. Uh, cue rules of excitement. Here's how it works. Each player is going to get a quote or a line from a British newspaper from the last three days. 
All they've got to do is tell me if the words I read out were in fact printed online on newspaper or just something I completely made up. <laughs> so it's basically true or false, right? Uh, two points for a correct guess. Boyce, you are up first. Are you ready? He's ready. I am indeed. He's Let's got, do this. He's got that game face on. <laughs> Uh, Harry Kane, target of a swap deal with Real Madrid with Bale and Benzema going the other way. That's absolutely false. You'll be correct. Yes, that is absolutely <laughs> garbage. I literally made that up. There's no deviation from that. Um, although I did hear something kind of like that with like a money deal plus Bale, but again, that is, is still crap. And my eyes light up. Don't play cards with me, by the way. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> Sell! Now! Do it now! Deal! <laughs> Um, anyway, yes, so that gets you the two points, boys. Jared, uh, you're up next. Chelsea manager Antonio Conte wants to sign Arsenal forward Sanchez in January, saying the 29-year-old would be a good investment. True. That is true, yes. And boys, of course, mentioned it earlier on in the podcast. Chelsea are indeed now interested in joining the other billion teams who now seem to want uh, Alexis Sanchez, except Spurs. Um, yes, that gets you the two points. Boyce, you are with this next one. David Moyes said clubs should stage deadline day battle in a hotel. David Moyes said clubs should stage deadline day battle in a hotel. <laughs> it's great because I can finally see your reactions. <laughs> the pain of this is the fact that I just don't know. I just don't. I'm going to say it's true because it's David Moyes and it's entirely possible. It is true. Yeah, yeah he did say that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Of course uh, he did. He could coach any team in the world. And from a hotel. Um, yes, it was meant, mentioned in the Times, <laughs> printed on the 13th of January. Uh, Jared, this last one's for you. Former Arsenal and Man United striker Robin Van Persie wants to move back to the Premier League with West Brom and Crystal Palace considering bids. He's a thousand years old. No. <laughs> It is false. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, you look worried, though. And Boyce's eyes lit up. Um, he actually does want to move to another Dutch club. Um, I believe it's Feyenoord. I can't even pronounce it. Um, oh, yeah. I thought, wasn't he at, like, Trabanzapur or something along those yeah, lines in Turkey for a while? something like that. And then he now wants to go back to the club where he began his career, Circle of Life, whatever you want to call it. Oh, um, isn't that fun? God bless him. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on now to our last game, which is, of course player profile um again same rules apply as last time round. five clues to a premier league player and this is going to be great because maybe i should have brought buzzers or something because you're both here uh <laughs> but hey shout out your names why not uh so again one guess and incorrect guess will freeze you out are you guys ready why not why Let's not do it. okay first player is a center forward currently plays for arsenal a chilean international I think it was Boyce. It's Alexis Sanchez. It is exactly, yes, Alexis Sanchez. That gets you the two points. Boop, boop. And I'll give you the two points from there. Um, next player is a goalkeeper. The son of a famous goalkeeper from the 90s Jared. era. Yes, Jared. Casper Schmeichel. Casper Schmeichel is absolutely correct. Hey, getting him. For the record, my wife always says, why couldn't they name him Michael? <laughs> Michael Schmeichel. Uh, that would be great. Uh, yes, that is the correct answer. That gets you the two points. Player number three is a defender. An American international. Jared. Yes, Jared. Jeff Cameron. Is incorrect, and that freezes you out. Uh, so, boys, you get these, these next few clues. Had a brief spell at Spurs. Mm-hmm. 
was once loaned to Sunderland and mm-hmm. now plays for Newcastle. That'd be DeAndre Yedlin. That would be absolutely correct. Yes, that gets you the two points. Last two players. Uh, next one is an English player, a defensive midfielder. Despite 123 appearances, has only scored seven goals. Boyce. Yes, Boyce. Alex Axley Chamberlain. Incorrect. Oh. That freezes you out. Last two clues. Plays for Spurs. Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer is absolutely correct. <laughs> Eric Dyer. Um, that is right. Yes, and the last clue. Close friends with Delhi Alley. Um, they are best buds on Instagram. Very true. Um, final clue of the game. Uh, Man United player. A defender. Is known for his bizarre facial expression. Voice. Yes, voice. Phil Jones. Phil Jones. <laughs> it's absolutely correct. He has his own Twitter page with the faces of Phil Jones. <laughs> Worth checking out. It is hilarious. We currently have a tie game. Right. The year is going to be 2012. Which team, I'm going to start with Boyce, which team came second in the Premier League in 2012? Came second. I know that it was not Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Manchester United. Manchester United is absolutely correct. Yes, that is the answer. He took the win. Nice work, boys. Man. And that ties the series at 5-5. to Boys, you came back. How do you feel? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better than Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Until they make me miserable on Saturday again, and then it's just all sadness all over again. Oh, man. Home court advantage. You're in the next one at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to rotate houses. Uh, That's all we have time for today. Big thanks to Jared Bustamante and Boyce Richardson. And Boyce, thank you for letting us host uh, at your place this week. Um, Do check out our updated website, kickflag.com, and our other social media platforms. Facebook.com slash kickcornerflag and our Twitter page at kickcornerflag. Uh, any final words, lads, Jared? Too much Arsenal crap here. Too much Arsenal. There, there really is. Feel good. Uh, boys? <laughs> Feels like home. Feels like home. It certainly does. <laughs> Take it easy. Have a good week. And bye-bye.